0: more, God and change. Our lives are constantly filled with change from the tiny to the indescribable earth-shattering change. One day you notice a gray hair, and one day Pluto is Change comes in many forms, and with change— we have the opportunity really to control only one thing, our reaction, our attitude. Today is what I like to call a Garden Sunday. Everything that we hear today takes us back to the capital G Garden. Listen to the language. Graft in our hearts the love of your name. Nourish us. Bring forth in us the fruit of good works. The rain is over and gone. The fig tree puts forth its figs, and the vines are in blossom, and they give forth fragrance. All your garments are fragrant with myrrh, aloes, and cassia. We would become the kind of first fruits of his creatures. Welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. All of the imagery today, the Song of Solomon, the psalm, the letter from James, and even the gospel, carry the echo of the Garden of Eden. Now gardens are tricky things to start, but especially particular is the process of growing an orchard. Trees that bear fruit require soil that is not too much clay and not too much rock and just loamy enough. It's ideal for an orchard to be. Where did my sermon go? Okay, we're fine. It's ideal for an orchard to be planted on a slight slope of a particular incline and facing southern and not northern conditions. Fruit trees have to be placed just far enough apart that they don't harm one another, but also just close enough that their growth will encourage one another. They literally need room to breathe. And a fruit tree is able only to flourish if its branches are supported proportionally by its roots, and both require constant attention and pruning. In the garden, after it had been night and day, and the Lord saw that it was good seven times over, the earth was in a magnificent and wondrous state. From God poured forth wind and light, and from that came heaven and earth, water and sky, and the third day brought vegetation. The first chapter of Genesis reads Then God said, Let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees of every kind on the earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. Then came the seasons. And the animals, and then male and female, God created them. Genesis reads, God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. In the garden, there was an order to things, a balance created by God between the Lord and creation. And this right order allowed for intimacy with God and with creation. And when I say intimacy, I mean the closeness of a deep and abiding relationship. Intimacy comes from a medieval Latin word, which means to tell, to relate, to narrate. Intimacy, then, is about the intentional creation of a story. Intimacy is about intimating, about impressing on one another— so that the relationship begins to shape and create something new. The garden is all about intimacy with God, from the depths of the oceans to the heights of the heavens. God is in relationship in the garden with every creeping thing and even into the flecks of death, dust into which breath, wind, moved and gave life to humankind. This right order of the garden allowed for a pure intimacy with God. And it's why Adam and Eve are naked. There's no shame in the garden. There's no threat that comes with being perfectly vulnerable before God and before another person. In the garden, intimacy allows for God and creation— for God and people to begin to tell together their story. In the garden is where we build our narrative. But all too soon, Adam and Eve go from being naked to being naked. The difference, of course, is that being naked is not having any clothes on, and being naked means you don't have any clothes on, and you're up to no good. (laughs) What? What the bitter ending of the garden tells us is that the right order goes wonky. Free will allows it to be so. The order of things becomes disjointed, and Adam and Eve are suddenly beginning a new chapter in the story of this relationship. The intimacy of God to creation doesn't go away. God's first words to Adam and Eve after the eating of the apple is, Where are you? But Adam's response is, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. Suddenly, the impression on humankind moves from seeking and being sought to the seeking of God alone and our fear that we will be found and known. Vulnerable and naked before God. Intimacy becomes frightening, and the narrative that we begin to produce with God now has this trope, this motif of what Augustine calls disordered passions, and what Southerners call losing my religion. In 2011, the University of Arizona created Biosphere 2 to study the Earth and its systems by building different ecosystems inside an enclosed structure. I'm sure that some of you have been there. One discovery of this research was that trees began to reach a certain height and then mysteriously topple over. The roots couldn't support the trees for some reason. They weren't strong enough the environment had designed to be ideal for the roots to grow and flourish perfect soil perfect distance apart perfect nutrients and precisely calibrated amounts of sunlight everything was accounted for except wind wind with its push and its pull and its whispered intimate conversation with trees from trunks to the tip of its leaves is what makes roots strong enough to support growth. I really have no idea what happened to my sermon here. Okay, roots strong enough to support growth. And in the garden, without intimacy, without the ability to be shaped by the same wind, that swept over the face of the waters and moved into our lungs, that from the beginning brought all things into being, without intimacy we are lost, because a garden needs the wind in order to change and to grow. The Gospel of John opens with the familiar passage, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Light and wind and water Create the ideal growth conditions. Hiding in the darkness or tucking ourselves away in precisely exercised isolation, even with the best of intentions, will not allow us to be fruitful or multiply. And God's intention in asking us to be fruitful and multiply is not for all of us to have a bunch of kids, just as intimacy is not about sex. The Hebrew of be fruitful and multiply is the idea of constantly growing, constantly changing, intimately creating the story of God and us. There has to be a passion, an intense desire for intimacy to be real. And we, as repressed Americans, get uncomfortable when we hear the beauty of the passionate intimacy, the emotional storytelling of relationship that we hear in the Song of Songs. But that is garden passion, and that's garden intimacy. Passions and the garden are rightly ordered. But once we went from naked to naked, passions became disordered. Our intense desire to be in relationship with God, to be fruitful, to grow and multiply, had a new option of disorder. The desire to be close to God became the desire to be God. And instead of the order of intimacy, humankind sought the disorder of self. Passion became misguided away from God and towards ourselves. And so we become trees deprived of wind, and our roots grow weak. We turn away from the light, and we can't understand why we don't bear fruit. Jesus is speaking today about the disordered passions of the Pharisees. Their zeal to follow and uphold God's law has become disordered away from the law's purpose, which was to create and promote a growing and fruitful relationship an evolving narrative between God and his people. It is disordered into a passion for their own gain. They repeat the motif of seeking to be God instead of seeking God. And Jesus tells them that their roots need pruning. They can bear better fruit. They can multiply. But what if, they, if what they and we truly seek within us is our own glorification instead of God's, if what we are is naked instead of naked, if we lose our religion, the fruits we bear become unripe and sour, fruit that is not good or healthy or nourishing to us or to others, fruits like fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, and folly. Sometimes you don't know what's wrong with a tree until you taste its fruit or watch it topple over. But it always comes down to the heart of the matter, the roots of the problem. Without the right balance, without the right story and intimacy of wind and light and water, a tree cannot flourish and an orchard will fail. But any garden and even fallen fruit, can be redeemed. It's often the almost ruined ones that can make the sweetest jam. The beautiful thing about a garden is that it can always be brought back to life with care and attention and rightly ordered passion, with a lot of light and water and wind, with thoughtful appraisal of the fruit and being willing to dig up and prune the roots if necessary the story of a garden never ends. If you and I try to live through God's blessing, we can't help but be fruitful and multiply. Continuing to be intimate with God allows us to keep telling the timeless narrative of God and creation and allows God to impress on us the same way that he has passionately imprinted and incorporated us into the Almighty. When things are in right order in God's kingdom of the garden, when we hear his call instead of hiding in the bushes and saying, I heard your voice and I was afraid, we will leap up and cry joyfully, the voice of my beloved, and give thanks for being grafted in the love of his name, nourished with all goodness, bringing forth the fruit of good works in the world. We bask in the Father of lights, and we are nourished by the living water of the sun, and we are strengthened by the mighty wind of the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. You and I are all trees in God's garden. Let us pray. O God, by whom the meek are guided in judgment, and light rises up in darkness for all, grant us in all our doubts and uncertainties the grace to ask what you would have us do, that the spirit of wisdom may save us from all false choices, and that in your light we may see light, and in your straight path may not stumble. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.